Welcome to another episode of Record Roundtable, where we cover an artist, a band, a man who's gone by many different names. This week we're talking about Bonnie Prince Billy. This is Caleb Robinson speaking. I'm here with... Jared. And this is Tyler. And once again, this week we're covering Bonnie Prince Billy. And how did you feel about listening to Bonnie Prince Billy? I will start with Jared, because we all know that this is going to be about an hour-long episode, and about 50 minutes will be Tyler talking to you. That's true. You don't know that. I'm just teasing. Go ahead, Jared. It was okay. I was not uh, into a lot of it, but it was okay. That's fair. That's my start. Tyler? It's really good. That's my start. That's all you guys have to say at the beginning of the episode? I'm trying to keep this under 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> He's limited. He's limited to 10 minutes of speaking. Uh, okay. Well, let's... let's. He's good. I like uh, Will Oldham as a person. He's not only done music, but he's acted, and True. he's done. He's kind of just a personality in and of its own right, in a way. And he's and he's from Louisville, which is the biggest city closest to me when I was growing up, which is super cool to have someone from Louisville that I think is really interesting. And he still lives in Louisville and hangs out around there and does things in Louisville, and that's pretty cool. And his music, I I will say, I will tell you that I'm an earlier Will Oldham person because his the later Will Oldham. Uh, has a little more country in it, which I don't dislike. I just like the kind of uh, indie folk, DIY folk type style I agree that he has to begin with. So that's what he's known as, is a DIY kind of guy, which is interesting because normally you find that in punk. You don't find it as much in folk. Take a drink. I did. Okay. And Jared didn't do it. He said DIY. And oh, I didn't know we did it for that too. <laughs> there's many things. And um, anyway, so, um, but he... Start. He's played music in various forms, including uh, music under the moniker Palace, the Palace music stuff, which is Palace Brothers, Palace Music, Palace. Uh, uh, um, well, I forgot the other part of those. I did too now. Palace Brothers, Palace Music, just regular Palace at one point. Yeah. Anywho. Yeah. Um, and then he shifted and made a, a, a few works under his own name, Will Oldham. And then from there, he went on to be known as Body Prince Billy. And he's in, like I said, he's in films, but he also does, I've got a little teaser for you of a little sneaky thing that is interesting that I'm going to get to maybe later on episode where he's just done some kind of like weird things. He's got connections with interesting people. He does. And because of that, he ends up doing weird stuff. And he's kind of an art, his, I'll mention that his wife is an artist. And so he also is kind of artsy. And you can tell in some music videos, which he doesn't make a lot of, but you can tell in some of them that he has kind of like an art feel to it, which is kind of like coming out like that's what the diy thing is right dude you know when you do it yourself you can kind of like put whatever you want to in there so all in all i think he's a pretty interesting person and i like his music and i like him very much i think i liked more of bonnie prince billy than i had expected that i was going to like i think i you know because i know i see a darkness and that is definitely his most prominent album um which is not i mean not saying a lot because the album is really ultimately not super prominent at all nothing that bonnie prince billy has ever been like super prominent uh, but that would be the album that maybe has garnered him the most attention uh which was benefited by the fact that um pitchfork gave it a 10 which yes. is pretty surprising pitchfork really 
really likes Bonnie Prince Billy. Yeah, they like Bonnie Prince Billy. I, and so I'll let you know. I'll clue you in on this week. The way I chose albums is I chose albums from first from different periods. And I chose some of them were albums that I personally own and enjoy and like. And some of them were albums from that period that I knew were well received. So, the, for instance, the last album, Best Troubadour, is his most recent well-received album. I see. So that's where that one came from. Basically, all of the middle section were things I like. Uh, the Palace Music album is one of my favorite of the, his albums, period. The uh, Palace Music Viva, one? Yeah, Viva Last Blues. I love that That was pretty that good, album. yeah. And then the the Palace the Palace Brothers album before that uh, I chose for a different reason that I'll get into here in a little bit. So, but a lot of what I did was I wanted to make sure um, that some of the areas that I was less familiar with were filled in with albums that were well received during that period. So you can kind of get an idea of during that time, you know, what was what would would have been more influential if it were. Sure, that makes sense. So let's go ahead and start with uh, kind of the you know early to mid '90s output under the Palace moniker. So let's talk maybe specifically about that for the time being. So what we listened to from the Palace era of music, I believe there were four albums in total, but the two that we listened to were Days in the Wake and Viva Last Blues, which were the second and third albums. Yes. So um, Days in the Wake is a super super sparse like folks. Yes. album yes and then viva last blues is a little bit more of like kind um, of a rootsy kind of americana style getting yeah. in where the guitar parts have take on a little more rock feel to an extent and really fill in, t- in that americana is where a lot of people would probably put him i would agree because that's a very it's pretty vast and it includes people who are not strictly folk so i think that that's probably where a lot of people would throw him but yeah it, it kind of changes a little bit when you get into palace music. Uh, these groups are pretty interesting stuff. That's a, like this is all um, before he really found himself as an artist in a way. But there are places that I really enjoy that I think are interesting to go to because there's there's some of the stuff you get on particularly Viva Last Blues don't really ever come back. Right, and that's super cool. I love that album. Viva Last Blues is super cool. New Partner is just a really interesting song. I love that one. I like Last Brother Rides. Those are super cool songs that incorporate, really, they incorporate um, interesting guitar parts that I'm not sure come back in until he gets with Matt Sweeney later on in the mid-2000s. I was thinking that same thing. So it's an interesting place to hear, like, the breadth of what he might do or what he might be thinking. It's also interesting because the first album that we listened to under Palace Music, or Palace Brothers, I'm sorry, is uh, a big album that was influential for Jason Molina of Songs Ohio. And that's a super interesting story because they're not from Jason Molina is from outside of Cleveland. A little it's like kind of like it's not a suburb, but it's a town right on the edge of Cleveland. And he went to school at Oberlin, which is a, a private institution that actually is fairly well known for producing people in the arts and elsewhere in a town, you know, probably like 20 miles south of where he's from outside Cleveland. And while there, he uh, performed music, and he actually was a big fan of Palace Palace Brothers. And he he eventually reached out. He his friends and him listened to that quite a bit, and he goes, "You know, my music's not super different than this is." And they're like, "Oh, really?" You know. And so his buddy saw Will Oldham perform in Cleveland and gave him Jason Molina's tape, a mixtape of his music, and Will Oldham enjoyed it. And they kind of from that point on. Um, became a thing and will helped him get introduced to the guys in Bloomington, Indiana, 
at uh, Secretly Canadian, which is where Molina lived for the entirety of his career as a musician, essentially lived at his on the label and actually physically lived with them for a little bit too. So the early stuff is interesting to me as well because I can see it in terms of a movement, right? Like it, it's before the a resurgence of Americana came about and it's kind of like a precursor for what was going to like come through in the mid nineties and up even more into the early two thousands with Americana music kind of coming back into to the fold. And it inspired other people who I think are also super prominent in that, such as Jason Molina and some other people of that nature. So I, that's one of the reasons I wanted to have that album on there in particular as well. I do think, I, I don't know about that specific album. Cause I, I did think about Jason Molina when it came to uh, this week but I think there were three names to me that were kind of prominent artists that um, I kind of reflected on that are kind of Bonnie Prince Billy adjacent. Sure. Uh, one of them is Phil Elverham of yes. Mount Erie and the Microphones. Uh, the other one is Bill Callahan of Smog and also his solo work. And then David Berman of Silver Jews, yes. Purple Mountain, who just passed away two years ago or last year. Last, it was, it was last, last year. year. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was last, last year. year he passed away. Uh, but all three of those guys are kind of in that same realm in my mind of kind of making this folky Americana kind of style of music. And what I think is interesting is that all three of them are by no means prominent names. No. Um, Phil Elverham is a little bit more so because I think Mount Erie started to gain a little bit of traction and people do reflect on the microphones in a positive way. Uh, Bill Callahan is very, very much a niche kind of like, if you like folk and Americana music, you've probably heard of Bill Callahan. Uh, David Berman is well-respected, but not also super well-known. And like, if you dig deeper into that, that's when you find Bonnie Prince Billy. Yeah. Like he's, he's like a, a tier lower than those four name uh, those three names and Jason Molina. I think maybe actually Jason Molina and, uh, Bonnie Prince Billy are a little bit closer together. Probably. And cause and- songs Ohio is not. By any means, a big no, name. No, it's not huge. In fact, they didn't. I mean, most people wouldn't know them until they changed their name unto, to uh, Magnolia Electric Company, at which point, you know, that's when they were gaining in popularity. People might know them a little bit better. But uh, th- what's interesting about the people you named as well is that uh, I like Bill Callahan and I like Smog and I own some of his albums and they're also very good. And that's kind of where I, I came into both of them in similar places and at similar times so bill callahan and will oldham were hand-in-hand people for me in this genre when i was experiencing it and uh, then i of course would eventually would listen to uh, mount erie and microphone stuff and some silver jews stuff but what's fun- funny and interesting is that silver jews is a group that will oldham has had collaborations with as well with him as a solo artist and the same thing with Bill Callahan. Bill Callahan and Will Oldham have done lots of collaboration. And that's one thing that's really interesting is like that what it is, is it's be, it's become a community more than anything else. It's really cool because it reminds me of in a way like hip hop where everyone's kind of working with each other and then also creating their own stuff and back and forth. Like you've got a lot of interplay between people here and a lot of like throwing ideas around and this or that. And it's pretty cool. And all of those names fit into a community that I can assign during that era of people who have been working together and were making music that was kind of played off each other. I do want to play a song um, because I, I thought this was pretty surprising actually. Um, so like you said, you know, uh, Bonnie Prince, Billy slash Will Oldham is very collaborative in a lot of ways. This week, actually only a couple days ago, he had done a cover of a uh, Hank Williams, Jr. Song, um, 
OD'd in, De- in Denver, and he did that with Matt Sweeney, yep. who um, you know he's collaborated with in the past, and Bill Callahan. So Bill Callahan, Matt Sweeney, and Will Oldham all did a song together just this week. Yep. So I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play that cover, OD'd in Denver. We started the tour out in Denver, Colorado I made the first one, but I did not make the second show Cause I met this girl there that brought about quite a big change I really like the contrast between their voices. Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? One thing I've learned from Bonnie Prince Billy is that it doesn't matter what your voice sounds like. You have if you make music you like and make your voice fit to the music, it, it doesn't matter because he's got a weird voice, I think, and <clears throat> it never doesn't fit for me with his stuff. What do you think, Jared? What do you think about his voice? It's okay. It's interesting. Um, it's not like from a lot of what I listened to, I, I didn't think that the voice was that um, great or prominent, but um, it was pretty interesting on I See a Darkness and a few other. Uh, the Last Troubadour was pretty pretty good, but I don't have anything specific about the voice. Okay. I just wondered. I wonder what you thought, because I was just thought it was weird. I feel like a lot of people who aren't familiar with him and don't really like him that much or don't know whether they do, could be turned off by it. Because it's just kind of different. Um, But I don't know. I always wondered. I did also um, find some of his other collaborations interesting Mm -hmm. as well. So, like, Matt Sweeney is kind of already an interesting one, because he's of Chavez, which I know that you like. I love Chavez. Yeah, you've you've mentioned before that you really like Chavez. Um, But his early relationships with members of Slint were maybe the ones that I would have never expected. Okay, so a little fun fact. The cover of Tweez, that picture was taken by Will Oldham. So Slint's is uh, a post-hardcore band from Louisville that had two albums. Their most prominent album was Spiderland. That was their second album. Their first was Tweez. They're really good, really interesting. They're kind of like a... um, I would say a uh, cinematic post-hardcore in a way. There's They're some, almost emo. Yeah, a little bit. And they kind of like popped up, did their thing, and then that was it. You know, and it's kind of weird. But they grew up. Um, they were, you know, that whole era was a, a, I mean, it's hard to continue to bring up DIY, but it is. Like, that's what it was like um, for people who were into punk and people who were into post-hardcore at the time. And there, it was like a little bit of a community going on in Louisville at that time. I, I, I wish I could have been there. It would have been super cool, because he was he was buddies with the, the guys from Spider or from Spiderland from Slint, and they would hang out and do whatever. And they and yep, wasn't what you got? wasn't uh one of Oldham's brothers in Slint or was like kind of a part of Slint in some fashion or, or am I wrong about that? Not it not one of his brothers wasn't that I know of. Um I don't remember it may have been his brother's car. There was something about his brother, but I don't remember what it was. It's been a while since I read about that actually. 
and I forgot to even go back to it this week. But yeah, I know that he they were on. I think they were on Viva Last Blues. A couple of the members, mm-hmm. is that right? Yeah, yeah. Which and also and those Palace but, era. The Palace era was Will and his brother as well doing. You know, mm-hmm. so that whole era was he and his brother doing stuff. I I don't know if I'm surprised or not surprised about this one because I don't really see the Palace like era being super prominent by any means. But I didn't realize and probably would have never thought that an album from Oldham would have been produced, well, engineered by um, Albini. Yeah. It was, it was like the first, or the last two Palace albums were both Albini recorded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know what the deal with it was. I don't know if that was a tie, because Spiderland was Albini. So I'm not, I believe... If- or was no, it, it was Tweez. Tweez. It was Tweez. Yeah. Yeah, Tweez was Albini. So um, I don't know who had the connection. I don't know if Slint had the connection or Will had the connection. But one of the two of them did. I would it, think Slint. I would think so, but I don't know. Because right. Slint, were, these were young. They were not old. They were young when they started uh, Slint. And to think that they might have a connection of that nature on for their first re- album for their debut is just kind of crazy, honestly. So I don't know if they had, maybe they just gotten, maybe someone's like, Oh, you should talk to this guy in Chicago. Maybe that's what happened. I don't know, but I'm not sure who, who had the connection first. I do know that there's like drag city, for instance, the label that will Oldham has been releasing on the entirety of his career is a Chicago based label. And I seriously doubt that they don't have some type of a connection with Steve Albini because they're an independent label that picks up a lot of like really interesting people where they just kind of allow them to do their own thing. Uh, Bill Callahan has released stuff on there before. I'd love to give you a list of some other people because there's some really interesting other people on there. I just can't think of them right now. I know I know somebody else who's on Drag City, but I can't think of them right now because I know that I've looked into Drag City before. So I'm wondering if maybe via the label... They also released on their own label, on the Palace label. So this gets kind of sticky, okay? Also, before we keep going, somehow I did not notice you were wearing an I See a Darkness shirt. Yeah, oh, I meant to oh, bring yeah, it up I, when I we started. I saw it when... when I meant to bring up that. It just, I somehow has, were not, I was not paying attention. All of a sudden I looked down and I see that you've got the, the skull I on your my, shirt. And yeah. I was like, oh my God, you wore a Bonnie Prince Billy shirt I for forgot the that I wore. I forgot that I wore it for you guys so that you, you could get in the mood. I noticed it when you walked in. I, yeah. I wondered if you did. Yes. I was about. I meant to show it before we started, and I forgot. It's I okay. used to wear this, and my ex girlfriend's mom called it like the scary shirt, and, oh. and so I'm like, "Come on!" But I like it because it's just the cover with a little. I like how the uh, on a lot of his covers he puts Bonnie Prince Billy, and then an underscore, and then the title, and that's all there is, you know. And then from there, it can speak for itself. But anywho, um, so yeah, so they re- the early releases were on their own label on Palace Records, right? Um, which was self because they were self released and what have you, but then they moved to Drag City. So it just makes me wonder whether he had a connection and helped the Slint guys out get in touch with Steve Albini. But I'm not super surprised. Like it's surprising as we talked about because his Steve Albini's style for artists he typically works with is very loud and and typically fall into a post hardcore or a noise rock kind of thing. But we do know that. Um, Magnolia Electric Company, the Songs of High album, was an Albini album as well. And I do, I had read a little bit about. It's funny that you all decided to do this this week because I have actually been on a Songs of High kick recently, and been listening to a lot of Jason Molina, and this fits in to come back in through. So, um, but I think that the style that Albini likes to do as a producer was just suitable for those because he likes to record. As we've mentioned previously in the episode, what the band wants is what he wants, which is will what Will Oldham wants is what Will normally does, kind of thing, you know. And so that that's useful. 
it, it allows you to get a bigger name producer that you can work with in the label. You know what I mean? To get stuff to where, uh, you know, it can be have more exposure. And also, uh, I recently read how, for instance, um, Magnolia Electric Company was recorded as a live recording. And I feel that that's probably preferred for those early recordings as well, because it would be cheaper and it would just be easier. There's not a lot of, you know, the instrumentation is a little more minimal at that point. So I think it's kind of fitting. And I, and I just wonder if maybe he didn't get in there first and then connected Slint up there. So, so let's go ahead and move into uh, kind of the Bonnie Prince Billy era. There's also um, the Joya album, which he released as just Will Oldham, you know, his actual name. But I, I didn't find Joya super interesting. It was it was fine, but it kind of felt like a transition album in a lot of ways. Um, but his first album under the Bonnie Prince Billy um, moniker is I See a Darkness. Jared, I know that you said that I See a Darkness was kind of your favorite initially. And it, mm. I feel as though it probably didn't change. Yes, that's correct. I liked that album. Um, I thought it was pretty interesting. I See a Darkness. Came out in 1998. Um, I thought it came out in 99. This is 1998, according to Spotify.com. Spotify. I like his voice. I like the songwriting. I think it's one of the fir- one of the only albums I really enjoyed the songwriting on and the production. Um, he sounds like a man that's already dead. <laughs> that's what i thought this week like like you listening to that album you would expect him not to be alive anymore but he is uh, 50 years old so he would have been 28 um but yeah it was uh pretty good pretty good it is i will say because you mentioned something that i i thought of as well and i kind of saw some people mention it as well as i was doing research is that he just kind of yeah sounds old like even from like the very beginning of his career during the palace music like he doesn't really sound like a 20 year old he sounds like a 40 year old no he reminds me uh a lot of nick drake mm-hmm. with uh, some of the songwriting the the sad sap stuff and also um just the voice sounds similar to so yeah yeah i can see what that i, I will my, my favorite well we can play a song this i was is, uh, i was gonna do the same thing but please go ahead oh 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 um, I think, oh man, it's hard. I had two songs that I really liked from it, uh, Nomadic Reverie, mm-hmm. All Around, and Another Day Full of Dread. And I guess I'll have you play Another Day Full of Dread. I See a Darkness, I really like that song too, but, um, but yeah, we'll play that song out. Well, I'd like to have a good time. Any of my friends will tell you So if you confront me with stupidity I'm doubly angry at you And I sing yip nap, it's all a trap Bobus and so is this We'll run to Haiti go and watch it all come down Ding dong, silly song Sure do say something's wrong we don't often do this, so I'm going to do something a little uh, a little crazy. Oh, boy. I will also say my favorite song, because it is the song following Another Day Full of Dread, which is Death to Everyone. 
balls burn Come and kiss Our raging Death to everyone Is gonna come It makes Jose Much more fun Death to everyone it's like one of those really, really, really rare moments where like Bonnie Prince Billy does something like like a little bit. I don't want to say that he's not often different, but usually a lot of the things that he does are pretty like well adjacent to each other. But like Death to Everyone has like this kind of like woozy psychedelic guitar part to it. That's why I wanted to get to the chorus. Right. I was like, I was listening to it and I was like, that just kind of sounds off from the rest of the album in kind of a cool way. I think this album's really full of a lot of juxtapositioning of ideas and musical content. Because all in all, the music is relatively um, kind of sad still, but you get you always get weird parts like that coming in all over. Even in the, a minor place, the opener, it's like the musical part of it is in the major key and, and is kind of like it starts off in a place that actually doesn't seem sad, but the lyrics are certainly. Like, I'm sad and it's okay kind of thing, you know? So, it's weird. He has lots of juxtapositioning in this album. And it's just lots of interesting sounds. You do get some guitar parts that are reminiscent, actually. Now that I think about it. Back to some stuff like in Viva Last Blues, like Palace Music Era. But, um, yeah, it's just really... I love this album. I've listened to it. I don't know how many times I've listened to it. I own it and it's awesome. You're literally wearing a shirt. I am. So? I bought it at VGR. Of course you did. I will Before we move on from I See a Darkness... Uh, I think we would be remiss not mentioning one of the perhaps only covers that you can really find of a Bonnie Prince Billy song. And it's one that I guess I would not have really expected to see, which is a cover of the title track, I See a Darkness, by Johnny Cash. Yeah, for the American recording. Well, you're my friend And can you see Many times We've been out drinking Many times we shared our thoughts But did you ever, ever notice? Anybody who knows Johnny Cash knows this already, but I think it uh, bears worth saying. The guy's really good at kind of taking a cover and then making it his own. Yeah, there's not a lot you can do to that song, really. But uh, he put a little bit of a Johnny Cash thing on it. I think he did pretty good. I wouldn't say it's quite as provocative as his Nine Inch Nails cover. No. But uh, it's a pretty good cover. Um, that album, by the way, is the album that I believe you were thinking of, Caleb, uh, where members of Slint participated in the recording on it. Uh, David Pajo from Slint was on that album. And then also Peter Townshend, who is a, this is kind of a back, getting back into the Louisville community at the time was really interesting because, uh, Peter Townshend was a drummer who did work with, uh, Pajo. And he also did work with a couple of other groups in Louisville, um, such as one of them is called King Kong, which is a pretty interesting group that I enjoy. 
that's got kind of like a weird, I don't know what it is. It's kind of like an alt feel to it. Uh, so there's lots of musicians around the area that in the early years, Oldham pulled in to be parts of it. And it's like, it's just cool. I think he put Louisville on the map for a certain genre and stuff that's just like a little bit different. Um, my intro to Bonnie Prince Billy was that song, the title song to this, but it was a, a sped up, more lively version of it that he released. And I don't know if he released it prior to as a teaser and then put it on it, but he put it on his 2012 EP entitled Now Here's My Plan. And if you want to play that, I'd be down with that. That I see a dance, and that I see a dance, and that I see a dance, and that I see a dance. Kind of puts in a lot of the the twang that he throws into his music a little more often. Yeah, it's a different animal than the original recording. I found it pretty interesting, and that's that's the first thing I heard from him actually. So I was like, "Dang, this is pretty interesting right here." Yeah, what do you think about that, Jared? That was good. I found a cover as well, and it is amazing. If you go to the bottom of the albums and songs for the playlist, uh, just just play it. It's the thing I put in. I am a mountain, I am a tall tree, oh, I am a swift wind, sweeping the country. I am a river, down in the valley, oh, I am a vision, and I can see clearly, if anybody asks you who I am, just stand up tall, look them in the do you know what that was that's r kelly <laughs> no way what <laughs> did you know that song yeah, did you know our, he did that yeah no no well when you put it on there i was like oh man and i listen to it and i go wait a minute and i was like this is r kelly <laughs> holy crap 2007 that was on an ep that's I, crazy. I was, so last night, I I will I will tell you, I did not listen to every single album that was in there because honestly, there was a lot of like sameness from album to album, and I was like, I'm just I I got to find something else. So I did like go on his um, Spotify and went to like um, this is uh, whatever you know what I mean? yeah. what it's called, and so I was like listening to a bunch of singles and. and Songs from EPs and songs that sound looked like they would be interesting and stuff that he's doing with other people. So I think cumulatively, I'm on the same level of listening. It just was a different. Like I was trying to find something else that because I wasn't getting it from what I was listening I think to. That's reasonable. Past yeah. like I liked I see a darkness. I liked Last Troubadour. The rest of it was not really that interesting, um, but there was like singles and stuff. And that was one that I was able to pull out. There was also an album that just came out this year that I found that was interesting as well. It is, um, Oh, it's called, uh, three Queens in mourning. That's the name of the group. Uh, the album was called hello, sorrow slash hello joy. And he performed, uh, four songs at the end of this album. I don't really know who Three Queens in Mourning are. I assume it has something to do with him. Uh, it says it's a their folk trio originally formed in 2018 as a backing band 
uh, for a tour promoting a book of Will Oldham song lyrics. So he has some kind of association with with this group. It's made up of uh, uh, Jim O'Sullivan, Alex Nielsen, and Alzadair Roberts. I think all of those people had worked with Will Oldham. And so they all did songs, and then he did four songs. And so I listened to some of that uh, as well, and it was okay. Um, yeah. Those are, all co- those are all, of course, Bonnie Prince Billy songs. They covered album, all. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And then he did the last four. Or what, Him his, himself. Yeah. Is he covering himself, or are they new songs? From what you can tell. I think they're new songs. New songs, okay. Yeah, I listened to those because I I started listening to this album, and I was like, "Where is he?" And then I kind of like scrolled down because mm-hmm. his name is on there, and I was like, "Well, he's not like singing all of these songs." And I scrolled down and saw that he had four songs at the end of this album. So yeah, that's another thing. I don't I, found I don't this, mind from this year. I don't mind you doing what you did, Jared, because that other what's good You're about Bonnie Banks for it? <laughs> no, because Bonnie, I'm glad that you did because. Some of the some of the gems of Bonnie Prince Billy are hidden in singles and EPs, and mm-hmm. some of his really interesting collaborations are hidden in singles and EPs, mostly singles. The man's got a lot of singles, whether they be like a re- he does a lot of reworks of his own songs, he does a lot of covers, and he does a lot of idea like those collaborations where some they come together and do like for instance the thing that I just added, which if you want to you can play, you don't have to, uh, but I'll go ahead and talk about it. The last thing I added is Bonnie Prince Billy's number one song on Spotify, which is fine. It's called Ruben and Cherise. Cherise was brushing her long hair gently down It was the afternoon of Carnival as she brushes it gently down and so that's off of a 2016 collaboration called Day of the Dead which is and I, I don't know if it's a digital only collaboration or not but it, it consists of 59 songs and it's five and a half hours long Jeez. it is a collaboration with artists such as War on Drugs, Phosphorescent, Ginny Lewis plus 70 other artists that all cover Grateful Dead songs yeah I think we talked about a few of those things on the Grateful Dead or Alive Good Band. We may have episode. talked about some of the covers. So was the version of a Friend of the Devil by um, uh, uh, Counting Crows? Is that on here? Uh, the one, one by Mumford is on there. Oh, that's good too. We did talk about this because I remember yeah, getting excited songs. that Moses Sumney did a go. song on it. So that's where it was from. So it's you know uh, this was a huge collaborative effort, and to see his name amongst names. Such as Moses Sumney and people that you all enjoy. The pretty, Nationals on here. Yep, it's yeah. pretty interesting. Unknown so, Mortal Orchestra is on here. That's really cool. I've been listening to them a lot more like the last couple of days. Yeah, this is Bill Callahan. Good. Of course, is on there. Of course, he has two on there. Flaming Lips, Fucked Up is on there. Yeah, there's a that's a lot of stuff. Isn't oh, that wow. wild? Yeah. So it's wild that that's his most popular song, but whatever. That's fine. I mean, it's because the that obviously that album has way more oh, yeah. people that wanted to listen to oh, it. Yeah. Probably way more people have streamed that entire album because that's like people will make uh, playlists of like different bands cover songs. And so when you have that large of a selection in that playlist or in that album, I should say, then all of those people that are making Grateful Dead playlists of cover songs, which... You were like, well, who how many people are doing that? Uh, a, lot oh, a ton of people are doing it. A lot of people do it. And like, His not song only, is probably not the most streamed. It's probably not even in the top like half of the most streamed from that album. Right. 
But because it's on that and he doesn't have that many, that's why it's that. But it's interesting yeah. that a, a random cover song is his most. That shows how little people have listened to him. Right, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so that's that's something that you might not find if you don't look at his, if you don't look like singles and things mm-hmm. like that. So, and that's a cool cover. So, it, like a lot of the gold that you can find of his is in there. And I didn't include as many in there this week. Uh, just because they're, it's like its own playlist in amongst itself. Honestly. Oh, for sure. The EPs and, and singles that he has and collaborative yeah. stuff. So yeah. I am down to go ahead and talk about one collaboration, though. That is Super collaboration. Wolf. Yep. I love this album. First off, I love Chavez. I've talked about it before. They're super cool. I've listened to Chavez for a long time, so I've known who Matt Sweeney is. Then I found Bonnie Prince Billy. Then I listened to Matt Sweeney's interview with Mark Marin on WTF. Oh, that's cool. And it was a great interview. And in it... Mark brings up his this collaboration with Bonnie Prince Billy and talks about it pretty briefly. And I go, "There's oh, a, he brings it up. He brings it up. So ah. he somehow he knew about it, and it, which is well, he does a lot of research. Yeah, he does a lot of research. he does. You know, he so does he, more research than a lot of other podcasts. Right. He's do. he's actually quite diligent. That's Us I like Mark included. Very true. Well, okay. Three people research versus one person. Maybe it's kind of close. Okay, it doesn't matter. He has like probably a team though. He probably he has his his, his manager. one of the biggest uh, mm-hmm. podcasts. So I'm sure that. Like uh, Joe Rogan, no research. No, he's no, just minimal. like, so tell me who you are because I've never met you yeah. before. And then they come on and they're like uh, Ben Shapiro. He's like, oh, I guess we're going to talk about this kind of stuff yeah. now. Let's go. Yeah. Let me support you with your, with some antiquated what have you. Anyway, so that's so when I heard that, I was like, there's no way Matt Sweeney and Bonnie Prince Billy have like an entire album of a collaboration between the two of them. And it turns out it's true. And I went to uh, VGR and I said, you know about this? It's like, yeah. He goes, I have it on CD, but I've never seen it on vinyl. I'm like, damn, dude. And eventually, um, he actually was seeing Bonnie Prince Billy. Travis was not long after that. And he went to Bonnie Prince Billy, saw him, and he went to the merch table, and he asked the merch guy, he's like, what do you know about finding this album? Because I told him if he finds it, like, definitely let me know. You know, and he said, yeah, I'd like to have it too. So he's, so the merch guy's like, dude, even Will doesn't have a copy of that. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So I'm like, and he came back and told me, I'm like, well, I guess I'll just wait. You know what I mean? And somehow Travis found it somewhere in good shape. Like the, the, everything was good. The sleeve was in good shape, the uh, record itself. And he had it for me on record store day one year. And I was like, yes, nice. Yes, so he, he gave, he gave it to you instead of keeping the copy. Yep, he did. He's a cool he's guy. A, he's a selfless man. They've since reissued it, but it doesn't change the specialness for me. So this collaboration is super cool because Matt Sweeney has his own specific style. And may, most of you out there, if you know Matt Sweeney, probably know him from, uh, the guitar techniques videos he does on YouTube. I don't remember who is it. White noisy, I think is that who, sounds right. I think noisy is who does them. So um, I'm glad that noisy re- appreciates him for his guitar prowess because he's cool and his guitar playing is different. Like it, the like the Super Wolf album in particular is one of the albums that definitely stood out to me because we listened to seven other albums outside of I See a Darkness from Bonnie Prince Billy. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, some of them didn't stand out. Like, I, I'll admit to you, like, those last four albums just blended real hard for me. Like, I didn't I didn't hate them, but, like, it was really hard for me to notice anything from any of those four albums that I was like, that's something in particular that I would like to talk about. So I'm really not going to have a lot to say about those four albums in particular. But Superwolf is one that definitely stood out to me um, because the guitar work from Sweeney is different. Um, their pairing of vocals adds something to the album. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that what I kind of realize, and I don't want to, I don't want to, I guess, mitigate the talent of Bonnie Prince Billy, but I think that often 
some of his best work is his collaborative work. I think that his ability to have kind of that community that you talked about and his ability to work with other artists is what makes him kind of a better artist. I think that the other album, I don't want to stick on Super Wolf, but the other album that really stuts me is The Letting Go. Yep. And that one. Great album. It's a really good album, actually. It's a really, really good album. And I really like the, the way that that album is, um, structured because, it has Bonnie Prince Billy doing more of these like kind of big thematic songs, which are way different than what he's kind of usually doing. And that album also has a uh, another vocalist on it, which is um, let me see if I can remember the name, uh, Don McCarthy. So Don McCarthy does like these kind of like vocal harmonies that kind of underlie the rest of the album, and sometimes they'll sing together. But like you know, that's one of the albums that really stood out, similar to a Super Wolf. And I think it is because, like, you know, Bonnie Prince Billy has somebody he's singing along with and is doing something different with the, you know, the instrumentation that's going on. Like, I think that is kind of where I found my most interest with Bonnie Prince Billy. A little interesting thing about The Letting Go is it was recorded in Reykjavik, Iceland. It was, yeah. And produced by the same producer that's known for working with Björk. So I wouldn't be surprised to find that even just under, even just from some of the production work, May stand down to you a little bit on that one. So that's kind of an interesting stuff there. I like his collaborative stuff is where a lot of value. I don't, I don't dislike any of the non collaborative things, but the collaborative stuff is where a lot of really interesting things lie because I think he's really good at bringing what he can bring, accepting what someone else can bring, and then like trying to find how those things are different and really exploiting some of those differences in a way. I think Superwolf is a great example of that too because the guitar work from Sweeney is like I, I don't not really I, you'd be better because you're a guitarist but like I, you know i don't even know really how to effectively describe kind of what his guitar playing sounds like it's very dynamic this in this album which because it's he's got a really for instance i'll go and say i'm gonna say this is my favorite song uh even though i really am tempted to play some palace stuff but uh, go ahead and play my home is the sea i love that song I think really it's the song's called my home is the sea. It's very flowy at the end. One thing I think that Matt Sweeney brings in from his previous work that uh, Bonnie Prince Billy does not always do is creating a lot of melody in the music. A lot of times the music has some melodic parts that just sit in between vocal parts. And most of the time it sits as like a really plush backing track for the vocals. And we see that a lot on, uh, on, I see a darkness is like, it's like his, the vocal stuff is what's kind of here. And there are interesting things going on in the background, but there's not prominent and they don't always create melody on super wolf. You have lots of things that create melody that are not vocals. And that's a little bit of a shift. And it kind of creates more of a, it creates something that is more of a whole where you don't have to have one person in here all the time or another person in here all the time. And that last part too, we hear both of them playing guitar, you know, a lead over a, over a rhythm section so 
they both have things to bring in. But I think Matt Sweeney brings in just some really interesting ideas. I mean, Chavez is a math rock band. Right, yeah. So just the fact of bringing in a math rock guitar player, you know, and he's had a couple other uh, bands as well, not as large as Chavez, not that Chavez is big, but they've all had that kind of feel. So, you, just, you know, he brings something dramatically different. Because in math rock, you do a lot of talking with the instrumentation, and it's as compared to just vocals. Right. So I think that's a big part of what we see here. Well, I, I mean, I think that the Sweeney collaboration um, – kind of exhibits what you're to a certain degree what you're saying which is um the fact that he is very collaborative but also is not necessarily tied down to what is kind of typical of what you would expect like you know i would say that a bill callahan makes a ton of sense for him to collaborate with um but you wouldn't really see him collaborating with a group like slint or a group like chavez like those aren't artists that you really think like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense for this Americana folk artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he definitely gets people in there that are different. And the thing, and I think that comes from the communal like startings that he that he began in, where like everyone were buddies and everyone had their style, and you can always bring something to someone else's thing. What else is really cool, like about that album, is they toured together. So not only was it an album where uh, you know they released it as a as a uh, um, as a collaborative effort between the two of them. They toured on it. They toured on that album, played those songs, and it, and then he became part of like a touring act where they. I'm, I don't. I didn't see him, of course. It was in 05. So, but I, I'm sure they played some Bonnie Prince Billy songs that were not off of there as well. So that allowed Matt to bring his style into even into older work, into legacy work in a way, uh, because I think that's what will like from what I can tell from seeing things of him performing or whatever. Like, if you're going to perform with him, you can bring your own thing into his legacy work. It's not a big deal. And, like, they do work to prepare for something like that. So I, w- I just wish I could have seen something like that. That would have been really cool to see them on tour. And, but. again, like, if you look at it, like, you know, the song that I played earlier with Bill Callahan, the, the OD'd in Denver song, has Matt Sweeney on it. Like, yep. that's not a relationship that, like, tapered off. That's something that he was pursuing 15 years later with that artist. Yeah, they're kind of buddies now, and they do a thing. And and so he can lean on him when he needs him for a certain type of guitar work or when he wants a certain sound and vice versa. I mean, Matt hasn't done... Matt has kind of become a, uh, a more of a studio musician. He's worked on some very prominent albums. And so he's kind of changed where he's gone to. Chavez did release an EP, like a two or two or three song EP, two years ago, something like that. Two or, maybe 2017, uh, Cock, Cockfighters. But they haven't done anything super big you know, since then. So um, he's kind of gotten a different realm, but whenever, you know, it's nice to, what he does, it's cool. It's like, he's basically created an arsenal of people who, when he needs something creatively, he can go to them and they can create something together. You know what I mean? And so it's like, it's like you've created for yourself um, a library of creative thinkers. And for them, they have you to do a similar thing, you know? So it's just really cool. Like the, uh, that's a mindset that I've always very valued in there is like being collaborative and, and finding people that you really admire musically and asking them to do something and making it and turning it into something totally different than either of you would normally do something that's greater than the sum of its parts, if you will. So, which is what's happened there. And it's what's happened on, I mean, it's really what happens every time he collaborates with someone is that something, it's something that's different than anything else you would expect from them in a way. So that's really cool. On that note, uh, Tyler, I'm sure you could talk about Bonnie Prince Billy probably for like the rest of your life. Yeah. Uh, but are there any other major points that either of you kind of had that you wanted to bring up at this point in time? I've got a little funny for you. Oh, give us a funny. And I haven't. Once again, it's a YouTube thing. I don't have access to the YouTube. But uh, if you go to YouTube 
and search for Can't Tell Me Nothing by Kanye West. Oh, yeah. I saw this. You aware of this? I well, th- we watched it uh, for some reason. Oh, really? Maybe for Kanye. Maybe it was for Kanye's episode. I, maybe I'm replaying it. Well, it doesn't matter. That's okay. It's fun here. There's a music. That's it right there. A music video that was created by Zach Alphanakis for this video starring Will Oldham. I don't know how. He, this is what I'm saying about like him as an individual, as just a person is interesting. I don't know how he knows Zach Alphanakis. How does he know Zach Alphanakis? <laughs> Great question. I have no clue. But somehow he knows all of these people. And like he's done some minor acting roles, but very He was on minor. Wonder Shows in. He was, yeah, I saw that. Isn't that wild? I couldn't find the clip, but it was on a. Was he like a preacher two. or something like yeah, that? Yeah, he was a preacher on something. He's just done a bunch of really weird things. I bet you there are a lot of people out there who have seen him and and would never even know who it is. Yeah, you know. But he's also an interesting looking dude. He is on so, Wikipedia. Uh, it's all like on the uh, similar or not similar artists, but like also worked with part. There's a bunch of people. One of those names is uh, Bjork. Did you see that? Yeah, I, I think that's because of the the production work that was done on the Letting Go. I assume there. He also was on. She did a movie soundtrack, and he did the opening song for the movie soundtrack. Oh, yeah. okay. So I don't know if they actually ever worked together yeah. like that with that, but uh, he was on that. So I would I would love to Drawing... play the Can't Tell Me Nothing thing, but really it's just the two lip singing. It looks yeah. like so it's not really. That's fine. It's I just a visual. It's a visual. It's a visual thing. A visual a, thing so. Yeah. Look Ring, it up, please. Yeah, absolutely. Look Link it up. in it's, the description. It's a lip sync and it's funny. And they don't look, really, when you see them, they don't look too different from each other, other than Zach Galifianakis is slightly chubbier. That, but it's uh, just kind of fun. That EP that I mentioned earlier, uh, it's called Ask Forgiveness, the mm-hmm. one that had the R. Kelly song. There's also a Bjork and Tom York song on there and Danzig. We did a hey. cover of Danzig on that. So that's, that's, that's a, that's a, a pretty wild like mixture of covers right there. Yeah. Pitchfork gave it a 7.6 out of 10. Labeled folk country. That's what it's called. So. Pitchfork did, like I said earlier, though. Pitchfork, like they just, they like him. Oh, they love him. They like him. As lot. you should. Like really eight, there's like an eight, eight point seven, and then obviously the ten, and like, and yeah. they don't give tens often. No, but I see. So, they especially like you know they do some like old albums. Like they'll reflect on old albums and like, hey, this was actually a ten, and like right. they like kind of go Re- back kind of things. revamp it yeah not here but yeah this was like when it came out they yeah. gave it a 10 and i was like wow and not only that this album came out in it was january of 99 it was on i see darkness uh pitchfork didn't wasn't founded were they founded in 95 or was it 05 it would have been it was one of those two years 95 95 so uh i don't know i don't know what date the review was i didn't check it you know but this was only come out a couple of years after pitchfork was founded Mm-hmm. Um, and to give it a 10, but you know what? Like, here's all I, what I have to say about it. Think back to 99. We were young, but I can still remember music in 1999, right? Yeah. Do you think of anything, even in, even in popular rock music that, or, or country music or anything, do you think of anything that sounds like that album? Not really. I mean, like some Dylan stuff, uh, maybe like Bright Eyes E. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I just, it's just not. That it's like of a different time. It's really a, a '99 album, and again, like because no. he sounds like an old dude, like because his music is kind well, of his old, voice, like old sounding, yeah. and his voice never changes. Even now, his like even on yeah. Best Troubadour, his voice is still the same. Even on the the cover that came out like last week, yep. he inspires me that no matter how bad my voice sounds, like I said earlier, I, you could always sing something and be okay. <laughs> It'll but, never change. No, but what do you think? I know you said you like. I guess we can finish on this. I don't mind finishing on Best Troubadour. You said that that stood out a little more to you. 
Yeah, it's I, a country I thought album. it was pretty good. Um, another thing I want to mention before we uh, uh, close the old uh, book here is his name because it's very confusing. Sure. So his name is his birth name is Will Oldham, and his uh, stage name is Bonnie Prince Billy. Yes. Which like it's not a band; it's a stage name. Right. Which is kind of weird to be like this is him and this is him. Alice Cooper. The name the Alice Cooper was a band. No, it's the man too. I I get that. It's not but, ego. But he doesn't go by his his real name. Uh, no, Alice well, Cooper doesn't go by. No, his no, he doesn't. Will yeah. Oldham goes by his. Yeah, real he kind of goes by. And whatever. He goes by Bonnie Prince. Yeah, he kind of goes you by. Can't whatever. say Alice Cooper. Like no, no. Yeah, no, if sure. I'm if I would be reviewing an Alice Cooper album, I would probably never say Alice Cooper's birth name. But like when I reviewed the Bonnie Prince Billy albums, I would go in between i'd say will olden this bonnie but prince Billy from that. uh what was the other group that we we're talking about that he's in that the name changes palace. palace palace he's will olden in that right he's yeah. not bonnie uh, yeah. prince billy. yes yes his solo stuff is bonnie prince billy but if he's in a band he's will like you see the, the confusion right. here well so he was yeah, i, I sure. was reading about the name uh then it says this is a quote from him in 1998 uh, I think so. Maybe not. I don't know what the year this is, actually. Uh, the name has so many different references that it could almost have a life of its own. Bonnie Prince Charlie. Yep. Bonnie Prince Charlie has such a beautiful ring to it, and I was very conscious of appropriating that mellifluous sound. What a what a, what a word he uses there. And I was also thinking about the name Nat King Cole, but it wasn't until later, and this may have been subconscious, that I remembered that Billy the Kid was William Boney or Billy Boney. So those are various names that he kind of like. He kind of smashed, he, he, yeah, he smashed a lot of a ideas bunch together. Of names that he liked. Yeah. He could have been uh, Bonnie King Billy. Sure. Or Bonnie. Maybe he would have been knighted. King. He could have been. Yeah, he should be anyway. Really. I don't know. I don't know. Get him over there and knight him. Why not? <laughs> Why not have him over there? So we but, did. We did have one uh, Patreon oh comment, my. and I will say that usually um, I don't respond because sometimes I forget to. And honestly, I need to be better about that. But on this occasion, I did, and I think that you'll find it funny. Uh, Patreon user David commented on Bonnie Prince Billy and said, "Again with the Bonnie Prince Billy, Tyler must get kickbacks every time his name is mentioned on the podcast." Well, if only, <laughs> if only. But I did respond, and I said. We here at Record Roundtable hope that once we finally cover him, he will never be mentioned again by Tyler. Oh, that's rude. That's rude. That's of true. You. That's not. That's inconsiderate. If we have considered you for a time. If you're, an li- hour if you're listening, Will, my apologies for these two fools. He might listen. He might. He might. If if Will Oldham if listens, we couldn't get to the Minsingers to listen. If he listens to, it, we could have. You messed it up. <laughs> We could have had it. We could have, you know what? We could have, you know that thing where we have a hundred listens when they're new and we're like, whoa, that could have been months ago. That's true. Months, almost a year ago, in fact, nearly a year ago. If uh, we said something other than from the window of my car, oh, that's a very good show. Good show. Because I told you that they, I knew it. I knew it. Yeah, there you go. I was thinking, what's the deal? With the Menzingers. I was thinking uh, Brian Regan when I did it earlier. That's pretty good, oh, too. That makes sense. So, but it if could you, have happened. If you'd like to have your voice heard and make fun of Tyler, be sure to follow us on Patreon.com. You can pay us to make fun of us. It's great. 
Thank you for listening to this edition of Record Roundtable. I hope that you learned a lot about somebody maybe that you were unfamiliar with or got to listen to somebody you might not have expected a podcast about. Uh, this week, of course, we are covering uh, Bonnie Prince Billy, and next week we'll be talking about Black Sabbath. A little bit of a shift there. Uh, be sure to check out all of our social media, Facebook, Instagram, so on and so forth. Be sure to check out our website, recordroundtable.com, and of course, our Patreon at patreon.com slash recordroundtable. Thank you for listening, and goodbye. You are 